What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, my goodness. You guys are some good-looking people, let me tell you that. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> it's like no one answers. No, how are you guys doing tonight? Hey, I like that. Hey, well, listen, my name is Stallion. It is such a privilege to be here, to be teaching you guys, to be sharing God's word with you guys. And, uh, and I'm happy. I'm happy that each and every one of you are here. I'm always excited on Sunday. It's just like, man, good to hang out together. And so I'm pumped. Hey, we've been, we're in this series. This is our second week in the series. And the series is called? Okay, it's on the screen, so if you didn't know that, I'd be worried. Um, we're in this series called Creatures of Habit, and we said it's so interesting. Trevor kicked things off. Hey, go ahead and give a round of applause for Trevor. He's not here right now. Let's just go ahead and give him a round of applause because he's the man. <laughs> Trevor, you can hear us said everywhere where you are. Okay, he's doing a wedding tonight in, in Daniel's Island. My island. <laughs> just kidding. Um, so... We, we, we started last week, we were talking about creatures of habit. We said each and every one of us are a creature of habit. Think about this for a second. We all have habits, okay? Every single one of us, every person in this room, you have a habit, okay? It doesn't matter what you do, who you are, like how cool you are, how not cool, tall, small, ugly, none of you guys are ugly, okay? But we each have habits, every single one of us. And we said that it's important as we go through the series, like, I don't know if you know this, there are so many books that are written about habits, there's stuff like seven, seven habits of highly effective people, okay? That's like a book. People want to know what do like famous people do? What do like successful rich people do? There's like, I read this article one time. This was the craziest thing ever. It was like, here's what successful people do in the morning, every morning. And it was habits. It was the same stuff all the time. And one of them was, I'll never forget this because this was like the weirdest one to me, and yet I did it all the time. It was... <laughs> wealthy and successful people every morning will go outside and breathe fresh air. I was like, okay. And so I did that for like a month, all right, every morning, like just open up the door and, oh, it's really cold. <laughs> and I close the door and walk back in, okay, because I read it in the wintertime. But it's like every single person, we want to know what people do to become successful. We want to know what people are doing to stay in shape. We want to know what is going on in people's lives to be successful. We want to know what people's habits are. It's huge, and every person does this. And one of the things that we said, the guy who wrote this book called, um, he called The Power of Habit, interestingly enough, he said this, he said that the difference between who we are and what we want to be is what we do. Now, that's kind of like a lot of words, so let's break this down for a second. The difference between who we are, okay, this is who you are today, right over here. Everyone say hi. hi. This is who you are, okay. The difference between who you are today and what you want to be, okay, this is future you. Let's focus. Okay, this is future you. Everyone say hi to future you. Okay. The difference between who you are and who you want to be is what you do. Like, like here's the thing. All of us, like, we're, we're, we're in school, okay, or maybe we're athletes, or maybe we have hobbies, or maybe we play music, or maybe we play sports uh, or, or dance or whatever it is that you do. Maybe, like, you want to become, like, a famous, like, Fortnite player. I don't know, okay. But, like, if you're over here, this is where you are. This is where you want to be. How do you get there? The way that you get there is basically what you do. And this whole series is wrapped around this idea that if we want to get from where we are to where we want to be, to where God has called us, and to our relationship with him to be growing, to be deepening, to be developing, if we want to get from point A to point B, what's important is that we realize that our decisions are the things that will get us there. Now, last week when Trevor kicked things off, he also talked about the habit cycle, okay? And so we're going to kind of put this up on the screen. These are three words in the habit cycle. The first one of these words is trigger. 
then response, then outcome. Now, a trigger can be anything that gets us going, that stirs us. Uh, it, being triggered can be a trigger, but triggered and trigger are not the same thing, okay? Just in case you were wondering, just in case you weren't sure. A trigger is anything that starts something inside of us. So like, you may be sitting on the couch at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and realize, I want a snack. Okay, that's a trigger. Something inside of you is starting. Something inside of you is igniting. You've just decided, man, I need a snack. Now, the, the response is that you get up from the couch, and you start to walk, you start to move, make your way to the fridge, and you eat something, and you get the reward. Oh, what a sweet reward it is. I don't know if it's ice cream, I don't know if it's like chips or like pretzel, I don't even know, I don't know what it is, but this is the reward. You see, every habit goes through this. Everything goes through a cycle. There's some kind of trigger, some kind of start, some kind of motivation that starts in you that causes you to respond in a certain way and to get a certain kind of outcome or reward. And the way that we change habits, see, most of us think like, oh, I just need to like, I need to like not crave food. Spoiler alert, you can't not crave food, okay? Everyone does. Or, or we think to ourselves, man, if I, could just, if I could just get a different outcome, if I could just get a different reward, well, all of us want something good. All of us want something tasty. All of us want something easier. The key to changing a habit is to change the response. That when we feel this trigger, whatever it is, it can be a trigger to not work out. It can be a trigger to hit the snooze button. It can be a trigger to not do our homework. It can be a trigger to procrastinate. But whenever we get that trigger, we need to change our response, change what we do immediately afterwards in order that we can get a different outcome or a different reward. Because the difference from where we are and where we want to be is what we do, the response that happens in the middle. And so tonight we're going to talk specifically about bad habits. And, and before we get to our, our habit we're talking about, I want to just, can we just have like a vulnerability, honesty moment in the house? Okay, three of you can come over here. I'm just kidding. Can we have a vulnerability, honesty moment in the house? Yeah. What are some of our bad habits that we struggle with? What are some bad habits? I press snooze. All right, press snooze. All right, this is, how, how many people press snooze for longer than a half hour? Like, collect, okay. <laughs> okay, is there anyone, wait, wait, is there anyone that's like an hour worth of snooze? Okay, we got some people in the back. Is there anyone that does an hour and a half? An hour and a half, okay, two hours? And I'm, not, I'm talking like school day now, okay? Do you, okay, do you intentionally, all right, this is an important question. Do you do like two hours worth or do you intentionally set it early so that you can do two hours worth? Yes. <laughs> That's intense. I can't do that much math when I'm going to sleep at night. Okay, so hit snooze. That's a bad habit. What's another bad habit? Procrastination. I heard that loud and clear. How many of us struggle with procrastination, okay? We think that our best work happens in the last half hour. That's not actually true. It's not actually true. You think that. It's not actually true. All right, some other bad habits. That's not a bad habit. <laughs> it can be a bad habit if you play too much. All right, what else? That's offensive. Taco Bell is amazing. I'm just kidding. What else? Other bad habits. Okay. That sounded a little angry, all right? I'm not sure who cut you off tonight. But road rage, okay? Getting mad about stuff we can't control. What about this? Can I, ha can I have an honesty moment with you guys? This is my bad habit. I bite my nails. Man, what the heck? I wish I could just stop, okay? Biting your nails, I don't know what it is. It's just one of those things. One time, I even went so far as to buy online the special nail polish that's like, like it makes your nails, it's like a clear nail polish. 
dudes can do it, okay? Trust me, all right? It's 2018. But you put this in this, like, weird nail polish on, and when you take, like, go to bite your nails, it tastes, like, so disgusting. Like, not just a little bit disgusting, like, a lot of it disgusting. And, and, it, and it's supposed to make you change, interesting enough, change. When you get the trigger of going to bite your nails, it changes your response because now you take it out, and it changes then your outcome, your reward. So this stuff got really weird because then you'd eat a sandwich, and you're like, like as you're like eating, you would like taste it on your, oh, it was disgusting. So eventually I stopped, and now I buy my nails again. But it's one of those things, bad habits are so crazy, they creep up on us. Sometimes we don't even realize this. Like one of the things that I found when I go on road trips, I... Where's, where's the people who went apple picking yesterday? Hey, I, got, I went apple picking with some incredible people yesterday, and I went with Anna and the high school girls. They needed one more leader, and I was the only person available. It was awesome, okay? So much fun. We picked apples and took selfies and all that kind of fun stuff. And as we were driving, man, this just happens without me even noticing. I just start biting my nails. I don't know what it is. I hate it. It's a bad habit, and I don't even think about it. So now I choose sunflower seeds because it, it just feels better. But that's kind of gross too because you got to spit them in a cup because there's nowhere else to spit them. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. But here's the thing. Bad habits sometimes even creep up in our lives. We don't even think about it. We don't even notice it. We don't even realize that we're doing it. And yet they're there. And not only are they there, but they're ingrained. There's something that, we, that are consistent. We keep going back to it. And so tonight I want to talk to you guys about, hab- about a bad habit that we may not even realize that we're doing. And if I can be honest with you guys, this is something that is serious. We talked about this a little bit when we did our series, Low-Key Sinning. And we're talking tonight about materialism. Materialism. It's not something we think about a lot. It's not something we think about often. But, but, But Trevor, when we talked about this a while back, I went back and listened to this message. Trevor actually shared some crazy statistics back when this happened. Do you know that in the United States alone that we spend $11.8 billion, $11.8 billion every year just on bottled water. $11.8 billion on bottled water. We spend $15 billion on Halloween. $15 billion in the United States is spent on Halloween. I mean, obviously, like, candy's justifiable, okay? But, like, an outfit for your dog to, like, take him trick-or-treating, like... That's not. We spend $20 billion a year in the United States, listen to this, on ice cream. $20 billion a year on ice cream. Let me say this. People have researched and they actually said that if we were to take this $20 billion, we would be able to successfully feed every third world country with food and water for one year. If just the United States cut out ice cream for one year, we'd be able to take that same amount of money and feed a third world, all the third world countries with food and water for just one year. And listen, I will say this, guys. We live in a pretty interesting place. Lexington, South Carolina, this is one of those things. This is one of those, those habits that we may not even think about this. We may not even notice this. I've traveled around the world. I've lived in some different places. And this is something that in this county, in this city, in this town, whatever you want to call Lexington, the metropolis, this is something that is, that is real. Materialism is something that we see over and over again. This comparing ourselves with other people, with constantly wanting more, better, bigger things, newer versions of stuff. This is something that affects each and every one of us, even if we don't stop long enough to think about it. This might be a bad habit that is creeping into our lives 
And we want to pause tonight just to talk about it, to think about it and see, okay, is this an issue? Why is it an issue? And what can we do with it? Now, the first time, the first place we ever see in Scripture any talk about materialism is not called that. But it's in Genesis chapter 3. You see, God created everything in Genesis chapter 1, in all of creation. And Genesis chapter 2 goes into a little more detail, a little more specifics. And he talks about creating man and woman. And he says that he takes man and woman and he puts them in the garden. And he says, everything in here is yours. Everything in here is at your disposal. You can have everything in here except for what? The tree, the knowledge of good and evil. That'd be like me taking you to Disney World and being, you like Disney World? You can have, listen, you can have all of Disney World, okay? You can own every single roller coaster. You can own every single world, even the ones that are, like, still coming out. Even, like, the new ones. Shout out to Harry Potter. Is Harry Potter and Disney? I don't even know. It's universal. I'm so bad. I'm not a big fan of the parks. It's like me taking you there and saying, you can have everything here. You can have Disney. You can have Universal. You can have Harry Potter. I don't know why you would want that. It's just like me saying you can have every single restaurant that's here. Shout out to the turkey legs, okay? It's like me taking you to Disney and saying anything you want, any piece of property, any hotel, any roller coaster, you, Mickey Mouse can come hang out with you every single day. The only thing I don't want you to do, the only thing you cannot do is you can't have that one bench right there. And you what, what do we do? We want that daggum bench. We don't want to go sit there. We don't want to go pick it up. We don't want to go take it home. It's just the way we are. We are creatures of habit. When someone says no to something, that's exactly what we want and what we desire. And, and God says to Adam, to Eve, he says, you have everything, anything. You're, like, you're in charge of this place. And the one thing that they cannot have is the one thing that they want. And Satan comes and tempts Eve to it. And you know the story. She ends up taking a bite of the apple or the fruit. She doesn't actually say it was an apple. She shares it with her husband. And Jesus comes back. Where God comes to, to confront them and they're ashamed. They've, they've realized they're, they're naked in front of him. And, and sin enters the world because of that. Because of this desire to have stuff. If there was a definition for materialism, it would be valuing material goods above everything else. Valuing material goods above everything else. You see, when we do that, we are committing idolatry. When we value something material above other things, we are committing idolatry. Idolatry is worship of something other than God. That's what Adam and Eve were doing. God gave them a command. They just had to obey him, and they decided to do their own thing. They valued their own opinion. They valued material possessions above God. They put something else above him, something else before him. Now, Scripture, in Matthew chapter 6, some verses that we're going to read tonight, actually explains and talks about this, and it says what the danger is with material things. And so Matthew chapter 6, starting in, in verse 19, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But it says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and not treasures on earth. You see, the difficulty with treasures on earth is at some point, no matter how much you accumulate, no matter how much you store away, no matter how much you're, you're able to get, no matter how many riches, at some point, it all goes away. And even if you're like, man, I'm going to save all this stuff up and leave it to my family, leave it to my kids, my grandkids, at some point, 
a couple of generations down the line, people aren't even going to know who you were. Just think about this. I mean, you know your parents, obviously. You know your grandparents. Maybe you got to meet your great-grandparents or heard stories about them. But what about before them? What about before them? Maybe you've been to antihistory.com. Maybe you figure out your, your lineage. But the truth is, after we're gone, these things don't matter. And Scripture says, don't store up for yourselves earthly treasures where moth and rust destroy. Eventually, they're no good. No good comes from it. You see, we have to develop a mindset where we understand that earthly possessions are just that, earthly possessions. I, I have a, a buddy, his name is Paul, and uh, some of you guys have had a chance to meet him. He lived in my house for four months before he got married. He needed a, a place to stay. And, and Paul's this, this dude, he's like this tall, he's from Ecuador, he's an incredible soccer player, he's the man. And just a week ago, he called me, I was away, um, I forget where I was, but I was, I was somewhere where I couldn't get to my phone right away, and um, I was out of town, I think. And he gave me a call, he sent me a text, he said, dude, you'll never believe what happened. He goes, my wife and I just got robbed. This is like 2018, it wasn't in Lexington, it was in a different part of town, going out towards Columbia, kind of like a, a little bit of a rougher area. But we don't hear about these things anymore. We don't think about this stuff. I said, dude, I, I called him. As soon as I got a chance, I said, dude, what happened? Tell me everything. He said, dude, we came back tonight, and the door was kicked in. Our TV is gone. I was thinking, what TV? That's like a 50-inch like TV. Someone came in, picked it up, and walked out with it. He said, they came in, they got all of our jewelry. They were like, our room is a mess, like things are thrown everywhere. I said, dude, how are you doing? How's your wife? It was incredible. I FaceTimed him, and he said, Stout, I'll tell you what, man. It's just stuff. It's just things. And obviously they're upset, obviously they're distraught, but he has such an incredible attitude to understand the physical possessions, even with memories, even with, with value to it, is just stuff. He'd much rather worry about our tre treasures that we can store up in heaven. The way we store up treasures in heaven is to focus on things with eternal perspective, with eternal value, like our friendships, our family, our relationship with other people. And see, it's interesting because so many times we get so worried about what we have, what we don't have, what our parents bought us, what they didn't buy us, that we'll even fight and argue with them. We'll get, we'll get antsy with them. We'll, we'll start to, like, to, to, to be fresh with them because of what we don't have or because of what we, we wanted yesterday, what Amazon Prime didn't deliver on time. We get so worked up about those kind of things. And yet we don't focus on the relationship itself, which is so much more important, it's so much more valuable. We start to put things above Christ. We start to put things above the Lord. That's idolatry. And it says here, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. You see, we're able to evaluate where our treasures are based on where our heart is. You see, you can tell me all day long, hey, Stan, I'm going to struggle with this. Hey, great message. I hope someone else was listening. Hey, this is awesome, but, but, but this isn't something that I deal with. Well, it doesn't matter what you tell me. But if you go home tonight... If you get really quiet and you get in bed and you start thinking, or if tomorrow when you see uh, something else that you want to buy, something better and something, a different version, or the next time you have the opportunity to complain about something, you will know in your heart. If your heart is not in the right place, if your heart is so focused on that, if your heart is so determined to get those things, if your heart is in a bad place because of stuff, because of treasures, you will know that. And scripture says that where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you're so focused on those things that something is going on inside of your heart, something needs to change, an attitude, something inside of you, an adjustment needs to happen. 
Because where your heart, is, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Materialism causes idolatry, causes us to lose focus, lose perspective, and to be so excited about stuff that it puts it above, it puts it higher than our walk in relationship with God. It creates idolatry, but it also can create this idea and the sense of always wanting more. What, what is it about Apple and their commercials and their, their stuff that, that can make you take a look at something that, that was awesome, that, that is great, and then suddenly make you feel like it's so worthless compared to the newest, latest model? This gets me every time. I bought this phone brand new in December. That's like nine months. Or what is Today's the 7th. Nine months and ten days, and I feel like this phone is like the dumbest phone ever because it's not the latest one. But there's something that if we don't be careful, if we don't check ourselves, we will constantly be wanting more. And i got to tell you, it's an empty spiral. It'll take you round and round and round, and it doesn't produce joy. It doesn't produce happiness. It doesn't produce anything other than, than this crazy race where you just want more. You see, we, we, we go play sports, and we see someone has a new pair of cleats, and suddenly we, we need those. Or we go to dance and someone's got a new, whatever, you guys have a dance. Or someone's got the latest clothes, the latest brands. And we're constantly wanting more things. And you start getting older and, and, and make more money and it just keeps going. You get to a place where you're buying cars or you're buying electronics. or It, it, it just never stops. There's always going to be a bigger, a better, newer version. And not only can our heart produce idolatry, can we start to worship these things by saying that, God, you are important, but this thing here will produce my happiness. It's just a little bit more important than you. But the truth is, if we keep chasing these things, we constantly, constantly, constantly go around and never reach the satisfaction because it can't be found in things. It just can't be found there. You see, the cure to all of this the way that we, we fix this, the, the way that we can move forward from idolatry is to understand that we need to have thankful hearts. And, and Paul explains this in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, there's this one verse that, that you'll recognize um, that unfortunately is often misused and misquoted, and that's Philippians chapter 4, 13. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, okay? We always use this verse when it comes to, to one more fo football touchdown or, you know, I can run this marathon. I can do all things in Christ. You know, I can hit a home run. And yet when Paul is speaking, as he's sharing and as he's talking, he's talking about the life that he's lived, the things that he's gone through, what he's experienced. And, and Paul went through a pretty complicated life. I mean, he went from starting to, to, to persecute believers to then being one of the guys that was persecuted. I mean, he was shipwrecked. And not like, like he got like on a little dinghy boat and like went off to, like, like he was holding on to wood for dear life with no food, with nothing. And, and, he, and he was beaten many times. A lot of times it says that he was gotten to the point where he was almost about to die and then they stopped so they can kind of like come back and eventually beat him again. I mean, he was a prisoner. He even got bitten by snakes. I don't know if you like snakes or not, but he was like bitten by poisonous snakes. I mean, he, his life was just crazy, the things that happened to him. Shipwrecked, beaten, persecuted, thrown into jail. And he says, in these few verses, in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now, this church that he's writing to, the church in Philippi, had been sending him money and sending him resources. And in his thank you letter to them, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length that you have revived your concern for me. He said, you're indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. He said, now that I'm speaking of being in need, he goes, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be, what is that word that says there? Content. 
I know how to be in, brought low, and I know how to be in, in abundance. And in every circumstance, I have learned that the secret of facing plenty and the secret of facing hunger and abundance and need, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, you don't understand, I've seen it all. I've been in every situation. I've been in times of need, and I've been in times of, I'm doing okay. Man, I've had to eat like ramen noodles because there's nothing else in the house, and I've been able to go out to like the Chinese buffet every day for a week. He goes, like, I've had money, I've had no money. I've been beaten, I've been, I've been in prison, I've been on all these different situations. He goes, the secret, the secret is to be content. Another way of saying that is to be thankful. The cure for materialism is a thankful heart. The way that we fight this is to be thankful. The way that we can go forward in life, the way that we can progress and, and, and get rid of bad habits of always wanting more, of always wanting more stuff, of always wanting the, the newest, the latest, the greatest, is by being thankful for what we already have. By pausing long enough to see, man, what God has already given me is enough. What God has already provided for me is good. And, you know, in this whole conversation of habits and in this whole idea of, of there's a trigger and then a response and an outcome, what Trevor said last week, the one thing that we also need is a disruption, a way to change things. We need something that will disrupt this cycle, something that will come in the way of that. And that's why we've created these stickers, and we're giving them to you guys every week. And the reason we've given you these stickers is that hopefully you would put this somewhere where it'll create a disruption, Maybe the next time you go home, you got to put this on the door of the pantry. So when you open up the pantry and you say, there's nothing to eat, you can see a sticker somewhere and remember, no, there's, there's really people who have nothing to eat. You may not have the snacks that you want. You may not have the double-stuffed Oreos, praise the Lord. But there is food in there. God does provide a shelter for you. You may need to take this and put this on the box of your sports sneakers. So the next time that you go to open them, and they're just not cool anymore or the laces got a little bit dirty, you can remember that there's some people that don't even have shoes. Maybe you need to take this sticker and put it wherever, wherever. Maybe it's on your closet door so you can realize the clothes that you have are good. Maybe you need to put this on your car so when you walk out and realize that your car is a 2000 and not a 2017, 18, or 19, you can still be thankful that you have a car, that you have something to ride. Use this to cause a disruption. Use this to pause you long enough to remember to be thankful. In Matthew chapter 6, this is our last verse for the night. In Matthew chapter 6, the passage that we just read, there's some more verses where Jesus is talking with his disciples. And in verse 25 of chapter 6, he says this. He says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food, and your body not more than clothing? And Jesus does this thing, I think he's creating a disruption in the disciples' lives. He says, he says, look at the birds of the sky. And, and they're probably outdoors. Jesus often was traveling with his disciples. I think he probably stopped them. He's like, look, look at the birds. Look at the birds in the sky. He says, they go, they don't sow, they don't reap. They don't have to like work for their food. They just go to the ground and, and dig up worms. He says, I take care of them. I provide for them. He says, how much more? What I provide for you, my child, my son, my daughter. And he keeps going a little bit more. And he says, look at the flowers of the field. Look at them. Look how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. 
Because yet I tell you that even when Solomon was king, and by the way, when Solomon was king, the kingdom of Israel was, was, was full, was in abundance. Everything was going great. He says, even then, in all of Solomon's greatness, these flowers look better than that. And they haven't had to do anything. I've just created them. I think he's telling the disciples, as you're going through life and you see birds and you see flowers, pause, stop and remember that I did that, that I'm taking care of them. And I think he's telling us, create ways. Maybe put a sticker or maybe put a reminder in your phone, but find ways to be thankful. Thankful for what you have. Thankful that you have this problem, that we live in a place of abundance. Thankful that there is ice cream in your fridge. Thank you that there are snacks, that you have a vehicle, that you have clothes. But think of this. That we go to a place like Goodwill to buy old used clothes as costumes. Or we go to places where, where stuff is thrown away or, or a couch that we don't like anymore. We, we take it and we, we bring it somewhere else. And we have so many luxuries that we may not even realize. And if we want to break out of this habit, if we want to take our heart and put it somewhere else and understand what is God trying to do, what is he trying to accomplish, how do we get rid of this idolatry of things, of stuff, of materialism? And what we have to do is start being thankful. We need to start being thankful. And I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe you got to sit down and write a list and drop all your stuff. Or maybe you need to start thinking every single morning. Or maybe at night, before you go to bed, just think about your day and say, God, these are all the ways I saw you work. God, these are all the great things that you did for me. I don't, I don't know what you need to do. But if you start to incorporate thankfulness inside of your heart, thanksgiving, contentment, if you start to think about all that God has done for you, it'll be a lot harder for you to complain. It'll be a lot harder for you to just keep wanting just keep asking, just keep buying, just keep getting. If we can center our hearts around God and his mission and what he's doing, then we can move away from a place of idolatry. We can move away from a place of putting our heart in worldly things and stuff. We start to see the vision that God has for the world, for each and every one of us, to turn to him, to be thankful for what we have, and to live in relationship with him. So I want you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want you to think tonight, starting with this song, starting with this time of worship that we have, to just think what are some of the things that we can be grateful for? What are some of the stuff that we take for granted? What are some of the things that we can start to do differently? Where do we need reminders? What do we need to do differently to remember all that God has done for us? To see all the ways in which he provides for us? To see all the things, all the ways that he's taking care of us? Just like the birds in the sky, the flowers in the field, God loves us so much and he wants to do so much for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you so much for these things. Thank you so much, Father God, for your, your word and your truth and all the ways in which you inspire and encourage us. And I pray tonight, Father God, that you would speak to our hearts in a special way. This may not be something we've thought of. This may not be something that we think of every day. This may be a bad habit that's creeped into our lives. 
But tonight, would you speak to our hearts? Would you illuminate those areas which we could be thankful, where we need to stop complaining, where we need to surrender to you? Work in our hearts, Father, we ask. Amen.